research that resonates. Schweitzer has not been wrong on any of his years and years of reporting on the Bidens. Investigations that matter. If your last name wasn't Biden, do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. But that's, you know, I, I don't think that there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life that, uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. The only entities, the only people that would report on this, and Peter Schweitzer, who deserves a Medal of Freedom, in my view. This is The Drill Down with Peter Schweitzer. Welcome to The Drill Down, where we relentlessly expose cronyism and corruption in the federal government. Normally, this podcast is hosted by Peter Schweitzer. I am the co-host, Eric Eggers, and uh, in filling in for Peter today. And then sitting next to me is one of the bright, young, emerging talents here at the Government Accountability Institute, author of several excellent books and soon to be author of a third book you want to pick up when it comes out, uh, I believe, later this year, Seamus Bruner. Seamus, excellent to have you. Good morning. It's a pleasure, Eric. Good to be with you. Now, Seamus, people don't realize this, but um, you know Peter Schweitzer gets a lot of the credit, as he should, right? He's the president of the organization. But um, you know he's the one that broke the Hunter Biden story, quote unquote, in a book five years ago now, which is kind of crazy to think about. But you and other members of the research staff here at the Government Accountability Institute, you have been right alongside Peter in going step for step and helping to uncover and expose the Hunter Biden story uh, to the nation over the last five years. And I think as people need to know that you actually, along with the rest of the staff here at GAI, you've actually seen every single email that exists in the Hunter Biden laptop. Congratulations. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes, I have. <laughs> and so I think uh, you, because you've been so steadfast and persistent in pursuing this story, then you've been able to, as you have recently, break some news. And so we're going to talk today about some of the breaking news that we reported just recently here at the Government Accountability Institute regarding Chinese money and where it's gone and why it matters, right? I think that's the important thing. I think a trend in news stories is we see we tend to focus on the latest revelation. But when you focus on the latest revelation, you only see, I think, a small thumbnail of the much larger picture. And that's what we kind of want to focus on. We want to talk about what's news, why it matters, but then kind of how does that enhance our understanding of the big picture, which is the relationship between the Biden family and the Chinese government and the way in which the Chinese government has helped make the Biden family quite wealthy. So uh, let's just start with this. What is the news that you broke last week and, and how does it inform our understanding of the Hunter Biden story? Yeah, that's right. Well, wherever the Bidens go, the Chinese communist cash is sure to follow, uh, this time to the University of Delaware. This is a second Biden Institute. You got the Penn Biden Center and then the lesser known Biden Institute at the University of Delaware in his home state. Which is funny because Joe Biden, did he actually graduate from Delaware? I know he's claiming to be an HBCU grad. I think he's saying that he was taken, <laughs> he was, you know, uh, raising fists at Delaware State back in the day, but he actually did graduate from the University right, of Delaware. Right, it's his alma mater and, uh, you know, he he's relates with whoever he's talking to at the <laughs> moment. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the University of Delaware got millions of dollars, $6.7 million after Joe Biden set up his institute there, had never gotten any Chinese cash before. And the thing that really sets University of Delaware apart from the Penn Biden Center is this money, some of this money came directly from the Chinese government. As opposed to the money that went to the Penn Biden Center, which came from where? Uh, well, that's the big problem in both of these stories is we don't know. We're calling these donors secret because we've asked the universities to tell us their names. They refused. 
or have not responded. So essentially, these are secret donations from various Chinese entities. I mean, private businessmen or private companies. But the really shocking stuff is from the Chinese government itself. Penn did not get any Chinese government funds. University of Delaware did. And we know that from their own disclosures. Right. So they check a box saying, is this a foreign government? And they checked yes. So here's what's kind of crazy, just to kind of restate what Seamus said. Basically, that's my job at the Government Accountability Institute. I, re- I restate what Peter and Seamus say. Uh, but what, what you guys have said and what you've recovered is based on the disclosures, which thankfully, because you've got public money, public universities, they have disclosures they have to kind of fill out. So the University of Delaware has existed for a long time. In fact, back when I was a kid, uh, when before the internet, we would read almanacs, right? I mean, I think it's, I'm, I'm sad that my children will not know the joy of just picking up an almanac and seeing what like a random fact they will come across. But one of the, my favorite things to read in the almanac was all the different universities and what their mascots were. So the, re- the first reason I ever became aware of the University of Delaware is they have a super fun mascot, right? The Blue Hens, <laughs> which I think you could also use to describe a number of the women in the Delaware area above the age of 80, but that's a separate discussion. But so you've got the University of Delaware Blue Hens and the Delaware, University of Delaware has existed for a long time. Ne- never in the history of the University of Delaware, did the Chinese government decide, hey, we've got all this extra money. You know, we're kind of running a collective here. It's highly profitable. Why don't we throw a little cash the old blue hen way? Never until in 2018, when then former vice president and potential future president Joe Biden decides to set up his Biden center. And this is five years after the Chinese government has established a financial relationship with Joe Biden's son, Hunter, right? They begin the Rosemont Seneca Joint Venture Program. So the the university, the government of China has been in the Biden business for half of a decade up to this point. So now Joe Biden sets up his center and only then do they decide to start throwing money the Biden and University of Delaware way. Right. And and this is the, uh, you know, not to throw shade at the University of Delaware. (laughs) It's too late. It's not not like we're talking about uh, UPenn, which is in the Ivy League. It's not Harvard. It's not Yale. You know, it makes sense why maybe why the Chinese government would be throwing money at these prestigious universities. But this is just the little old University of Delaware. Because China does actually spend a decent amount of money at American universities throughout the country, right? And there's some of that money gets dedicated in, um, you know, Asian studies programs, but they've, they've tended to focus on more prestigious universities as opposed to the University of Delaware. Right, right. And, and what even kind of more interesting, I mean, the Chinese, so the, the funds start coming in, first they're private Chinese company donations. And there's like 3 million, 2 million. But right into in 2020 is when the foreign, uh, when the Chinese government starts donating. So we which, have anonymous Chinese money in 2018. Right. And, and you've actually reported. So the first payment was April of 2018, $3.2 million comes in from an anonymous Chinese source. Second payment in December 2018, $1.8 million. And then a third payment a year later, December 2019, $600,000. Again, we know it's from China, but we don't know who it's from. Right. Right. But the Chinese government donations come when Joe Biden is gearing up to run. So that's what makes it especially troubling. And then also, how did these things get set up? I mean, this was not Joe Biden's idea. Like, let me go set up a institute at my home university. This were set up by Hunter Biden, his sister, Joe's sister, Valerie Owens Biden, Biden Owens, and uh, his nieces, the Owens girls, uh, why, why on earth was Joe's family setting this up? Well, we have their emails and they say they want it to operate like the Clinton Global Initiative. And I think that's a really important point. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. But just so people, this is a podcast, obviously they can't see uh, the emails, but talk about which emails you've seen and how we know what you just said, that the Biden Center at the University of Delaware was in fact 
a Biden family scheme. Yeah, it was, it absolutely was. And even worse, it was set up while Joe was still vice president. So you've got these emails with Hunter Biden emailing with his uh, aunt Valerie and other business partners saying a meeting with the president, the incoming president of University of Delaware, Dennis Asanis. Uh, he's still the president of University of Delaware. Hunter is meeting with him in March 2016. And the emails going back and forth between the Biden family members are Things like we need to set up a stage so we can promote the Biden brand. Uh, there's a lot of talk of salaries. How are we going to get paid from all of this? <laughs> and uh, it just so happens that the university starts bagging Chinese cash after Hunter, who has too many Chinese business partners to count, really, is the one setting it all up. So it's it's very suspicious. So here's the really kind of interesting and in some way cruel irony, because I do think it's I think it's useful to, to use what you just said as far as the Bidens themselves in their own emails have said, we want this to operate like we want the Biden Center at the University of Delaware to operate very much like the Clinton Foundation and the Clinton Global Initiatives. Like we see the Clinton Foundation as a scandal plagued embarrassment uh, in the name of a nonprofit or charity. The Bidens look at the Clinton Foundation, and say, that's a really great idea. We should <laughs> we should 100% get, we want more of that, please. Yes. Exactly, and, exactly. And so what they do is they sort of set the signal up to replicate it. And here's what's interesting. It, and I thought it would be really fun for Seamus and I specifically to discuss this because Seamus and I both have worked with Peter Schweitzer at the Government Accountability Institute for a decade, right? So I've been here for 10 years and Seamus actually predates me because when Seamus was in high school, he helped work on some of Peter Schweitzer's books uh, as an intern. And so um, we both worked on the book that would become Clinton Cash. I traveled to Haiti as part of the research for that and you know, interviewed sources and people that were in the country that say, yeah, the Clintons came in, they scooped up the cash, very little of it made its way to the people of need in Haiti, like stayed at the five-star hotel in Haiti. I mean, just think of it this way. Haiti is currently run by a gang. There is no elected official in the country of Haiti right now. Haiti's government is literally gone. (laughs) They don't have a government anymore. This is 12 years after Bill and Hillary were in charge of the rebuild. What did among the things they did was they helped build this luxury hotel because, oh, it's going to be great because we're going to host all these conferences and confabs what the UN people are going to want someplace nice to say, okay, it's about to be a, a gang lord if it's not already. So the point is like, I worked on that. You worked on a number of research aspects of the Clinton Foundation for the book that became Clinton Cash. And the biggest and I think most damning statistic that emerged from our research with the the Clinton Cash was the way in which Bill Clinton used the Clinton Foundation as a reason to get him to be paid to give speeches. And so you said when Bill Clinton first is the next president, his average speech goes for how much? Uh, on the low end, a hundred thousand. On the high end, two fifty, maybe three hundred thousand for a speech. Former president getting paid a hundred thousand, three hundred thousand dollars for a speech. I mean, it's pr- pretty decent money for yeah. talking. Yeah, tw- um, twenty minutes of his time. Yeah, right? not not too bad. And then what happens is Hillary Clinton becomes Secretary of State under Barack Obama. No, oh, by the way, I mean think about this. I hadn't even thought about the dynamic of so Barack Obama's president. Joe Biden is his vice president. <laughs> Hillary Clinton is the Secretary of State. The Bidens have to be jelly, <laughs> to use that term. <laughs> super jelly. Super jelly because, or that's jealous for the uh, uninitiated, because they're sitting there saying, look at how much money the dang Clintons are making right. while she's Secretary of State. Dad, you're Vice President. We're not getting anything. Right. And so then Hunter's like, hey, actually, how about we, how about, how about we cook up this Chinese joint venture scheme? But the crazy part of it is it's so fascinating to think that the Bidens looked at what the Clintons did, thought, man, that's really smart. 
we should do some of that. And then so they went about the business as Joe's leaving office to set this up. Here's the really cruel irony is that the Clinton Foundation and the story became a massive deal, partly because of Peter Schweitzer's book, Clinton Cash. But part of the reason why it became a massive deal was when the book Clinton Cash came out, uh, it wasn't just Peter Schweitzer talking about it. The New York Times did a story about it. The Washington Post did a story about it. Bloomberg did a story about it. ABC News did a story about it. It literally was on every single aspect of mainstream media you could have. They were praising Schweitzer for his jujitsu. And then Donald Trump got elected. And then they realized, oh man, some of that reporting we did about the Clinton Foundation may have contributed to Donald Trump getting elected. And so we're no longer going to do anything that we think could be potentially beneficial to Donald Trump or his political aspirations. And I think that that's pretty much the reason why the Hunter Biden story now gets ignored. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they were, they were reading, uh, you know, not, not that we love this or anything, but they were reading from Clinton Cash at the campaign stops. And uh, I think especially with President Trump uh, calling up Zelensky and asking questions about the, the Biden actions in Ukraine, um, you know, that, that, that definitely played a part in having all of this sort of ghettoed in the media. So then what's your sort of assessment of us as somebody who literally pours over every email? I mean, what, what is the story? If you were going to say, okay, like here's why the Hunter Biden story matters and here's the greatest threat or harm that's being done to the American public and potentially the country of America because the media is so intentionally ignoring the story because of potentially, you know, concerns about the Clinton Foundation story and the way in which they were helpful to Donald Trump. And just because, you know, we're not going to get burned again. Yeah, I didn't. Well, I never thought after the Clinton cash investigation, I never thought that we'd see a political family as corrupt as the Clintons were. The Bidens put them to shame. Do you, I mean, do, do you really think that? Absolutely. I mean, it's it, well, first of all, I mean, you got to give credit to the Clintons where do they disclosed all of their donors. They disclosed their speeches. I mean, I don't think they wanted to. But nonetheless, they did uh, this. These arrangements that the Bidens have with these universities, there's no disclosure. You know, we don't have any names of donors. We all we know is that Joe Biden gets millions of dollars for basically doing nothing, and he's not teaching any classes. I mean, who even knows? I think he goes and gives a speech or two at these universities, um, and we don't know where all that funding comes from. And we know that they set these things up to specifically be like the Clinton Global Initiative they, without the money raised. So the thing is, the Clintons had to raise all of their own money. They're basically just getting uh, checks from the university, and then we don't know what money's going into the university, only where where it's coming from. No, that's a great point. The other, I think, point to, thing to point out is, is related to if we're comparing the Clintons and the Bidens, is that the only aspect of actual personal enrichment that the Clintons got... So sure, Bill Clinton gets paid uh, to give speeches, and his speaking fee went up dramatically while Hiller became secretary of state. And the whole point of the Clinton cash book was to look at the people that paid Bill Clinton to give speeches while Hillary was secretary of state or did or made other donations to the Clinton foundation in hopes of getting favors from Hillary Clinton's state department. And it's worth repeating that I think of the 13 speeches that Bill Clinton gave that earned him $500,000 or more, 11 of them occurred while Hillary Clinton became secretary of state. That's why it matters what you said that, Bill's speaking fee when he first becomes the next president is between one hundred fifty and two hundred fifty thousand dollars. He didn't become more eloquent when uh, you know eight years after he leaves office, 
It's just that his wife was now in a position to do something for the people that were paying him to speak. And so people decided to pay him more money to speak. I mean, that is essentially the crux of the crimes that the Clinton family committed. Um, and other than that, I think his Hillary's brother, Tony Rodham, who's now deceased, was put on the board of a Haitian gold mining firm. It's unclear if he ever actually made any money on it, but like that was a pretty shady looking thing. Like, so the first time in 50 years, the Clintons are in charge of the rebuild of Haiti. And so they decide, hey, we, we do have some natural resources. We've got some minerals here. Uh, why don't we potentially open this up and see if we can make some money as a country? And then so why don't we bring in noted <laughs> geologist, Tony Rodham, to participate <laughs> in this thing? But I do think largely... The Clintons are guilty of saying, hey, we have friends that can do this. We think this is a thing that would be good. Why don't you use our friends? And our friends might make some money on it, but that's just how the world works. But the Bidens, it's much more personal and directly financial beneficial. And also much, much bigger threats to American national security. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we are laughing. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, the Clintons are taking uh, tens of million from the Swedish postcode lottery. I mean, yeah, the Saudis are not terribly great. But uh, you've got Hunter Biden on tape bragging about being uh, in business with the spy chief of China. You know, Peter Schweitzer's revealed you know, handful of foreign businessmen tied to the highest levels of Chinese intelligence, some $31 million directly into the Biden pockets. I mean, that is, that is bold. And uh, it's like they saw the uranium one deal from the Clintons and thought we could top that. And we did top it, but it's an excellent point. And I, I probably failed to consider that and, and emphasize it enough. You're right. So the, the Clintons are taking money from foreign governments. I mean, Kazakhstan and Russia, this is back before Russia was aggressively a threat. This not, it's not your, it's not the 2023 Russia, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. This is, uh, you know, George Bush is looking at Putin's eyes and saying, I can see his soul and he's a decent guy, Russia. Yeah. No, this is Russia. You know, the 1980s called, they want their foreign policy back. Right. Russia. Yeah. This is like, we're still participating in the Russian Silicon Valley Skolkovo. Maybe we can all make this work. Let's, let's kind of share technology as a way to bring them into the fold, Russia. So, but, but Russia was maybe the most aggressive, threat that the Clintons did business with and courted Vladimir Putin and other people linked to the KGB did pay Bill Clinton $500,000, I believe, to give a speech at one point. But yeah, China's different, right? right. And so, um, and and the Bidens have taken lots of money from China. Hunter Biden was part of the $1.5 billion uh, investment fund. And it's unclear just how much money he's made from that. I know that the New York Times said, oh, he says he took a loss on that. I don't understand how that's possible that you would take a loss on a one half billion dollar investment from from the Chinese government, but we know that the Bidens, others besides Hunter, it's thirty one million dollars at least at with least. ties to the Chinese military industrial complex. Yes, that's that's right. I mean, uh, we we used very very conservative estimates to get to that thirty one million. Uh, you know, it's actually we're we're pretty certain it's th- at least thirty two million now. But uh, yeah, I mean, and th- with this University of Delaware situation. I mean, you, we've already got a pattern of the Bidens operating and doing deals with Chinese businessmen tied to the highest levels of CCP intelligence. And uh, in, in February of 2022, Marco Rubio sent a letter to the University of Delaware saying, hey, why are you partnering with all of these Chinese universities that work on Chinese military contracts? Um, I don't I don't know that Senator Rubio knew at the time that there was this much Chinese money coming into the University of Delaware. I think he should probably send another letter because as far as we can tell, the University of Delaware is still partnering 
with Chinese military-linked universities. So talk about that. So it's one thing to give money as the government of China to the University of Delaware, but a partnership with a Chinese university is very different. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you're kind of making this partnership, if you're the University of Delaware, with a university in China where these uh, Chinese university students who we know uh, plenty of Chinese espionage happens in the university system. I mean, that was one of the problems with the Penn Biden Center is that uh, they sent a letter, the UPenn faculty. Lots after, of letters going back and forth. Yeah, I know. Lots of letters, not a lot of results. Strongly but, worded letters. Strongly. Uh, but no, this strongly worded letter from UPenn signed by 160 faculty members, they sent it to the DOJ saying, you need to stop looking into Chinese espionage in the university system in America because it's racist. <laughs> To investigate Chinese spies is is very xenophobic. So, but, but you know what's crazy about that is on this podcast a few weeks ago, we had a guest, Kenny Shu, who uh, is Asian American, and he's actually sued the American Academic in- Industrial Complex, I believe he sued Harvard uh, and maybe Princeton because he was not admitted into those programs. And so it's interesting that they would claim... It's ironic, deeply it, ironic. It's deeply ironic that they would say, no, it's racist to investigate Asian... Uh, Espionage. espionage claims when Asians, when it comes to an admissions process, are actually not considered a minority. They call, they're considered, according to Kenny, white adjacent. Right, right. So the unit, yeah, the the uh, higher ed, the Ivy League is um, allegedly, you know, deprioritizing Asian students, and that's not racist. But what is racist? We'll protect is looking, the spies. We'll though. protect the spies. <laughs> and so, actually, the Biden are you here to learn? <laughs> and what kind of learning? The the Biden DOJ actually acquiesced to the UPenn letter. Are you and, serious? And they shut down the uh, <laughs> they shut down the investigations into Chinese spying in the university system. So, I mean, that's why University of Delaware needs to be further investigated for its close ties to these universities in China that are tied to the Chinese military. So if you're keeping score at home, if you're an Asian student, good luck. If you're an Asian spy, even better luck because you, you don't need good luck because it sounds like the, the pathway is uh, paved for you with a chance that takes care of business. And then the worst part, and this is no laughing matter, we're having sort of fun here, but uh, the reality is, is that while the Clinton Foundation overlap between people that gave money and people that wanted favors was nationally covered. And I think that's maybe the biggest reason or among the biggest reasons why Hillary Clinton ultimately lost uh, the presidential election is because I think people said, hey, we don't know how much we can trust her. We have concerns about potential conflicts of interest. Um, And that was, as you noted, conflicts of interest with people that weren't direct threats to national sovereignty and security and safety. China, according to a growing number of people, is a direct threat to national security, sovereignty, and safety. The Bidens are very much in business with China, and that story doesn't get covered at all, except for on podcasts like this. Exactly. That's exactly right. I mean, and so the good news is people like Marco Rubio and a growing numbers of uh, growing number of members of the federal government are paying attention. They are writing more letters, but this I think that's where the lack of media coverage is particularly damning. And I do think it's fair to consider that the lack of media coverage is due in part to how much coverage the Clinton Foundation story did get and the consequences of that. And that's, at the end of the day, yeah, China might be bad, but apparently in the eyes of the media, Donald Trump is worse. And I think that's uh, maybe the biggest reason why that doesn't happen. But I th- think you should continue to follow Seamus Bruner. You should continue to listen to this podcast. You should continue to read and watch the things that we report here at the Government Accountability Institute because while the mainstream media may be ignoring the threat of China and the relationships that China has cultivated with 
every level of American culture and society, including the family of the President of the United States, we will continue to fearlessly report and expose at every turn. And that's what we're dedicated to doing at the Government Accountability Institute. And that's what we're dedicated to doing on this podcast. So we very much appreciate you taking the time to listen to this. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe at any number of podcast platforms or follow along at thedrilldown.com. Thank you very much. For Seamus Bruner, I'm Eric Eggers. See you next week.